Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And they've actually been okay this year, so I can't really, I can't really complain that much. That's true. Yeah. I can complain a lot more. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Washington Capitals. I'm Kelly, joined with, joined with, that's not, joined by. <laughs> well, joined by a couple of things, great. right, I guess? It's going to be great. Greg from <laughs> Japers Rink and Japers Rink Radio. Greg, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I know we were just commenting that uh, we're getting some uh, lovely background noise by your cat, which uh, I am actually enjoying. And uh, I might be joining you in that because uh, like a good hockey blogger, I'm actually in my parents' basement right now and they have three cats. So they might uh, they might interject at some point if they feel like it. We all are required to live in our parents' basement. Yeah. Little known fact, right? Like Mm -hmm. at least it needs to at least be an option, you know, like you got to just be like, all right, like, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it was my birthday yesterday, so I took a day off of responsibility to, uh, you know, go go to the parents' basement. It was, it's been nice. great. <laughs> yeah, so just uh, in case you're wondering why I'm, you know, like this, we're recording this directly after the Flyers-Penguins game on Saturday. So... I feel bad for that, by the way, because like you, 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 you picked like you, you, I, literally your your DM to me was uh, let's do any time. And I except for the time right after the Flyers game. And I like an asshole was like, all right, well, I feel like kind of doing it like earlier if I can. So, you know, here, here, here we are. No, like this is like actually an ideal time for me because I am the oldest person. And by about 6 p.m., my brain is just mush. Yes. So. This is like a very good time for me, actually. But the Flyers, as usual, ruin my life. But anyway, <laughs> let's get on to let's the Capitals. Might as well get this way. This oh God, here we go. It's just going to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> we might as well get this out of the way first. Tom Wilson will not be in the game tomorrow because Tom Wilson is very likely going to be not in many games for a little while because he is incapable of controlling himself. Greg, why is Tom Wilson like this? Yeah, I, I mean, I I wish I had an answer, right? And I think that I my my stock answer for before the last game was kind of well, like he's always on the edge, but he's like usually a pretty articulate player and seems to kind of know right where that edge is. And uh, yeah, it's hard to hard to hard to say that now. I think that it. I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to make excuses because I, I won't because he's a grown man and doesn't need me to make excuses for him. And I, yeah, I like obviously the Boston game was very kind of a hypercharged game. There were a number of fights, although they happened mostly after the hit. So, I, you know, I think that Wilson might not have been in as good control, but that's on him, right? Like he's a professional hockey player. Yeah. That needs to be something that he's able to do. And uh, 
I, you know, I like, I think you can do the little freeze framing game, yada, yada. But look, I mean, ultimately Carlo was in the hospital and it felt like something that maybe could have been avoided. Uh, not, not maybe it definitely could have been avoided. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's frustrating. Like I wish I yeah. had better things to say than that, but that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at right now. The thing that really bums me out about Tom Wilson is that I am shockingly enough, a really big fan of physical kind of on the edge hockey. I love a big hit. I love the idea of my team knocking down the other team's players. But these guys know how to do that without doing it this way. And it's just frustrating. It must be real bad for Caps fans because he's such a good player skill-wise. Yes. And from from what I understand, like, a nice guy off the ice for all intents and purposes. And it's just like, dude, like just hit guys hard. Like you don't have to do it this way. And you're right. Like the freeze framing, you know, where did he hit first? What was he going for? Did his arm go up? Like that kind of stuff does get really annoying, but like, there's just like that hit, like your intent is very clear with that hit. Like you knew what you were doing. Yeah. You knew what the result was going to be. You knew, you knew what was going to happen. And it's just like, you throw that hit, I think, I'm sure not to put a guy in the hospital, but you throw that hit to hurt him. And I just wish that they could, guys like Wilson would just pull it back a little bit where you throw a hit to hurt him for a second, but then he could keep playing hockey. Yeah. And it's just... Go for the body, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. I mean, hit the hell out of him, but like, you know, don't rattle their little brains around in their head it's just not necessary no it is not it is not and it's not like it's not like that hit was super productive in any sense really either like yes he had the puck and everything but it wasn't I mean it was like facing the board and there wasn't he wasn't about to score or anything like that so just it Mm -hmm. didn't it didn't need to happen the way that it did and that's what's frustrating is like you know I it's almost like open ice it's you know it can go so fast and you're like okay like obviously you need to be really careful open ice and Wilson's had a very famous hit against Oxford Sundquist where he was not and got suspended for a very long time justifiably so but at least with like open ice you can kind of say okay like you know maybe like you're trying to prevent something or maybe like there's it could go really fast and a guy doesn't go exactly the way you would expect but with the boards like he's not in a position to score or Mm -hmm. you know you know, and it's just, it's like, why, what, why are we here? Like what, what's going on here? This didn't, this didn't have to happen. Yeah. And you know, you can get into the technicalities of being a repeat offender, but like, there's a reason why we're always talking about Tom Wilson's because he's always yes. doing this shit. Just knock it off. Yes. All right. Anyway. <laughs> well, and uh, I, I, he's going to get suspended. The thing that I, I was seeing is that apparently it actually has been over 18 months since his last suspension. Yeah. So I don't think he's going to be it. It's going to be interesting to see how they treat it. I I kind of have it as maybe in like the three to five range, maybe a touch higher. I I that's kind of that's roughly what I might expect. But uh, so, I we could say this, and I could be totally wrong. So we'll see. I, I thought he got an in person hearing, so that's five. Yeah, oh, so it's at least five. Yeah. I guess if it's I I'm a, I'm assuming right. five. Is no, what okay, yeah, five is probably it'll probably be five. I think you're I yeah, think you're right. All right. Enough of that, since we're not going to have to deal with Tom Wilson blissfully. Yeah, um, yeah so the, this Flyers game is taking place precisely one month after the last Flyers game. 
back on February 7th when the Flyers won 7-4, to which passed Kelly. Must have really enjoyed that game. That sounds fun. Um, and since then, Washington has been kind of building towards some really good hockey that they've been playing the last couple of weeks, at least, until this 5-1 loss to Boston on Friday. What has been going super well for the Caps over this last stretch? Well, I mean, I we say this, and of course, Tom Wilson immediately puts himself out of the lineup, but <laughs> the Caps have had a full lineup now for a while. Like, that's, I think that's a big thing, is that it's, I mean, particularly this year with so many injuries and people going in and off of the COVID list, which obviously the Capitals have had, uh, I just think the, that the fact that Caps have been able to ice a full lineup is really helpful. It's, I like, they finally have, like, a stable blue line, you know, that's, I think, Lafayette's starting to kind of figure out how he wants to use them. You start to see a little bit more forward depth. You're starting to see some guys really develop. And, uh, yeah, so that's, I obviously, that's where the Wilson thing's frustrating because now we're not going to have a full lineup. But... I think that that's, that's definitely a thing that's been happening. Um, I think Vitek Vanacek, uh, who I guess is probably going to get the start against the Flyers, uh, although they might give him a game off. Um, he's He's been good. Actually, he's been legitimately good lately. I think his rebound control has gotten a lot better, and so that's been helpful. And uh, yeah, I think you've started seeing the Caps kind of get some scoring depth up and down the lineup. And uh, I obviously, the longer that they can play under Laviolette's system, I think the more they're going to get familiar with it, and the more you can kind of hope to see those uh, results keep getting better do you think that has something to do with it because I was going to ask you about that kind of like the start of the season obviously you're adjusting to the new coach and the new system and as those kinks kind of work themselves out we're starting to see like the actual Washington Capitals yeah and like so we had Corey Snyder on uh the podcast I think it was like a like a month ago or so and I like I remember we, we talked to him a little off mic about this but he was basically just saying like yeah like maybe like throw away the first two weeks of the season mm-hmm. I, yeah and I mean normally you want to do that but like with obviously there being no preseason and everything like that no abbreviated training camp really throw away the first two weeks of the season so uh, you know I think you look at that after and then after the two-week stretch the Caps had four players go on the COVID list with myriad injuries kind of up and down the lineup and although they were winning a little bit their advanced stats were uniformly terrible like they were starting to really decline like they were like starting to head to like you know 46 47 percent expected goals which isn't exactly what you would like although the Flyers are in that range now and it's uh it seems to work for you guys somehow uh but I you know I think that once the lineup kind of got healthy, you know, three weeks ago or so, and you started seeing that familiarity with LaViolette, you you think, okay, like, this is going to start to turn around. The Caps, as frustrating as they can be sometimes, do have a lot of talent, and uh, once in a while, they show that. So you mentioned uh, Vitek Vanacek, the goaltender for the Caps this season, and I was perusing your quality website, And there was a very good article that I actually am going to pull from a lot during our little conversation here about who has been the most valuable capital so far Uh, this season. Yes, Fearless's article. That was great. Yeah, and I was actually, you know, as someone who, you know, for the most part, head down looking at the Flyers exclusively until I play another team, um, I would not have, you know, pulled that name out of the hat. Like, obviously, your goaltender is very important, but given... You know, he's like a guy. He's not like a big name. Um, I wouldn't have expected that. So what has been so good about him? Well, I mean, first off, he's been playing a ton. Like, I 
I think offhand, I think he's played all but four of the Capitals games this year. I think that's right. Uh, yes, that is. So, yeah. So, I, like, anytime you play, like, over 80% of the of the games of the season and could put up, like, a 9-10, I, I, I didn't see what the stats were post-5-1 shellacking, but that was kind of roughly where he was. That's, that's impressive. And it's impressive because he hadn't been an NHL regular at all, ever. And mm-hmm. so to kind of come in there and at least hold serve is just really valuable in and of itself. And then on top of that, he started getting better as the season was going on. I mean, what happened with him was Samsonov goes on the COVID list, and then he starts playing every game for a very long time because the Caps' backup at that time was Craig Anderson, who they did not trust, and frankly, nor should they have. So then you look at it, and they kind of hit a little bit of a lull. The There was an Elliott Friedman report that was saying that Vitek was exhausted, which you could see. You could start mm. seeing in the rebound control. And then I, I think he kind of figured it out like the Caps had a stretch where they were kind of playing every other game and I think they're in the middle of that stretch now and you talk to NHL players like they kind of like the every other game style you know it kind of gets they're in the rhythm a little bit they allows them to really start kind of focusing and channeling in on things and I think Vitek's been able to uh, start really adjusting to being a regular NHL goalie and it's been really impressive to watch yeah even with the 5-1 he's still in 906 that's pretty good yeah it's not bad that'll 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 play That'll that'll get you where you need to be if the rest yeah. of the team is doing their job. So keeping with the Jabers rank most valuable player article, another game that I another name that I didn't expect to see, um, not because he's bad, but just because, you know, the Caps have so many star players that, you know, if you're thinking of the most valuable capital, you're probably not going to think of old man Zidane Chara as someone that's making a huge difference on a team that is stacked this offensively. So how has Chara looked and what has he been doing so well? Yeah. So I think with Chara, it, you, I think it took him a little bit to kind of get into the Laviolette system. I mean, he'd been playing at Boston under pretty similar systems. If you, I don't know if you want to say that, you know, Cassidy and, Claude Julian before him really ran different systems that much, but he'd been in the same place for a very long time. So I think with when Chara came to the Caps, I think it was definitely a bit of an adjustment, both in terms of not getting to play with Charlie McElroy as much anymore, who's really good, but also just to kind of figure out a new system along with the rest of the team. And I, I think that took a little bit of time. And But as he started to develop, I, I've noticed they have been playing with Nick Jensen, who's had an outstanding year for the Capitals, and he seems to just kind of be in the right place. And he's so freaking big still mm-hmm. that he could kind of figure out ways to like know, know defensively where he needs to be and really, I think, complement a more speedy, speedy defenseman. Now, is he someone who's going to really carry a pair? I don't think so at this point. And I would imagine if you had a gun to Laviolette's head and gave him a truth serum, he would probably say just from like a pure hockey standpoint, he'd rather him be playing maybe every like, you know, two out of every three games or something like that instead of playing every night like he is. But I you know, I think that he's been really valuable just in the sense of bringing kind of a stabilization to the blue line and the fact that he's defensively responsible enough to allow a player like Nick Jensen to really kind of be aggressive and enjoy the spoils of LaViolette's system in terms of being able to pinch more aggressively. So, yeah, I've, I've been really lately I've been impressed with Chara. So the other two names on the list, Nicholas Backstrom and TJ Oshie, are not really big surprises to me. But is there anything in particular about those two players that sticks out for you? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'll do Oshi first because I think that that might be one where I ever so slightly disagree with Peerless on, just because I think that Oshi, a lot of his value has been coming actually from a shot suppression metric, at least if you look at the advanced stats, because he has all of one goal at 5v5 this year, and he has he's been outscored, I think, by Nick Jensen. So I, you know, I think that with... With uh, Oshi, he's actually he's very valuable from a defensive standpoint, which isn't something you would expect. But he's so, and also just the way he plays, he's very kind of honey badgerist approach, which I really have enjoyed. So you know, like he's been he's been kind of what the Caps need. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to carry a line anymore. But you know, he's definitely been a kind of good serviceable player. I think with Backstrom though, Backstrom has been spectacular. And I was really nervous about Backstrom going into the year. And I was really nervous because the first, I think it was like 10 games when I ran the numbers, he was at like 42% expected goals. But you have to keep in mind with that, a lot of that was he was playing huge minutes against really tough competition and was still scoring and was still really effective and was really effective at running the Caps power play. And I think as he started to get his legs under him this season, I think he's been even better. They have him playing a lot with uh, Jacob Vrana, who's really good and mm-hmm. needs to play more, but uh, he's been really good. And so I think that with, with Bastrom having guys who can really finish and really can skate, it allows him to kind of be in that passenger kind of like navigator role, be able to kind of finagle the puck in different places. And the thing with Nicholas Backstrom that every cap stand will tell you is that he just is always in the right position and always yeah. just seems to make the right play with the puck. And uh, it's been really impressive. I've really, it's, this has been a year where he's been able to keep up the point streak. And I think we're, I, I know I had um, Sean McAdoo on the uh, the podcast, I think it was a couple of years ago, and I asked him the uh, Nicholas Backstrom Hall of Fame question, and he was like, okay, like, maybe he's, like, kind of on the bubble. He's never really won any individual awards or been close, but he has kind of the the points to get you there. But, I, you know, I think that this year, if he can kind of keep this up, we're starting to say, okay, this is, like, looking more likely than not that uh, he might be a guy who doesn't get talked about except when uh, he's been inducted into the Hall of Fame. So there you go. Yeah, it's kind of like he's had to live in the Ovechkin shadow. Yes. So if you're not really paying attention, you don't really know that he's like actually a really, really outstanding hockey player because, like you said, you, you know, no one's on ESPN talking about Nicholas Backstrom. They're talking about Alexander Ovechkin. So you miss out on that kind of thing. Um, in the comments on this article, a lot of your readers mentioned Lars Eller. Yes. So what's up with Lars Eller? Oh, he's he's fantastic. Uh, he's really <laughs> really good. I I actually I wrote about this um, because I've started doing a uh, like kind of deep dive snapshot every two or three weeks, and uh, I actually posted uh, something which is kind of surprising, which is uh, Lars Eller offensive machine because he actually is <laughs> way better at generating offense than anyone realizes. And like, because you think of Lars Eller, you think okay, like third line center, like you know, can win you a face off, can kind of be a Swiss Army knife of a player, but he's a better skater than people think he is, and he has better offensive instincts than people think he does, does too, particularly in the neutral zone and carrying the puck in. So I've been super impressed with Lars Eller. Lars Eller is a guy that they even actually at one point played him with Ovechkin and Connor Sheary in kind of a very weird-looking first line that actually worked really well for the Caps. So 
uh, he's a guy that like he kind of fits in the lineup in different places. It, when Kuznetsov Kuznetsov's out, he can slot in the top line. When Backstrom's out, he can go into the second. So he's he is that kind of Swiss Army knife. But wherever he goes in the Caps lineup, he seems to generate offense in a really kind of interesting way. I know that when I had Samantha Pell on a couple of years ago, we had talked about that after the Caps had won the Cup that Lars Eller had actually decided like, okay, this is the time I'm going to work on improving my skating and basically go back to square one. And it's something that you have to kind of look for it because Lars Eller is not going to win a ton of top line speed, like races or anything, but skating in the NHL isn't just about top line speed. It's about things like edge work. It's about things like making sure you can move effectively laterally. And that's, I think you see a lot of that pay off both defensively, but also offensively with him. All right. Enough about what's good. (laughs) <laughs> on this infernal hockey team. What has been, in your mind, the biggest glaring weakness on the Capitals so far this season? That's a good question. I would say that, so I, I, I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a trivial answer and then I'll, I'll build it up to something bigger, which is, so the Capitals have a fourth line right now of Garnett Hathaway, Carl Haglin, and Nick Dowd. And no matter what, the cat, Peter Laviolette loves shuffling people up and down that lineup, except for that four or that those three players and those three players get routinely shelled, but also he insists upon playing them against top players and they just don't seem to be able to make that happen. And so I, I think that that's something that the, the bigger concern I have with Laviolette is kind of offense and when you see that line continue to be deployed against top talent and continue to get outskated that makes me a little nervous about mm. whether La Violette kind of has the offensive instincts enough to kind of help the Caps develop from that because if you look at it the Caps have been winning games this year basically by shot suppression it's like a very unique Capitals team like they're I think I, I, obviously the, the number would have gone up at, from last night, but when I pulled it last, the Caps were, I think it was like fifth in terms of high danger chances against per 60, which mm. is not what you would think about a Washington Capitals team, but it seemingly worked under La Violette. But the trade-off to that is that the Caps offense, they don't really generate the kind of shot share that you would really like from, you know, kind of making goalies work and stuff like that. Now, They've had Kuznetsov be be kind of in and out of the lineup, and obviously that's going to hurt. Um, but yeah, like that's that's something I'm a little concerned about. And when you see him continuing to play this fourth line that gets shelled, and and not only that, play them against top players, you're kind of like, okay, maybe something's up here, and maybe like that that could be something to keep an eye on long term. So one thing, the the next thing I want to ask about because the Flyers special teams right now are. Um, hideous yeah they're really the bad way? i watched, I watched the just, yeah game. it was like wow like you guys were uh <laughs> they're, the, they're not great yeah i mean we've been we've been used to a terrible power play for a while now um but the penalty kill got good for a bit last season and now it's back to being terrible again and just checking out the nhl.com stats page if it can be trusted the capitals power play is pretty good. Going like fifth (laughs) in the season or fifth in the league words. Um, Is that, I'm always wondering if that's just Alex Ovechkin in his spot firing away goals, because I feel like that's like an easy thing that the caps can do on the power play. Um, Is there a way that they can be shut down on the power play? 
Oh yeah. I it, okay. so here's the thing. I I didn't mention this in the weaknesses thing, but I know that when JP and I kind of ran the numbers independently on this, the Caps are actually generating a lot less shots per kind of power play than they used to. The 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 metric I always go to with that is Nicholas Backstrom and kind of like, you know, what kind of I won't say just shots, but how do the Caps perform when Nicholas Backstrom's on the ice? Because that's going to be a really good unit kind of gauge into how their first unit's performing. And it's really gone down under LaViolette. It was going down before that a little bit, but it would definitely was going down under LaViolette. So I think it's a couple of things. I think first off, the Caps have been running their same system of power play for a really long time. And the thing is like, when you do that, you kind of, it's second nature to a lot of players, right? So Nicholas Backstrom and John Carlson and Alex Ovechka kind of know where they're going to be and all that. But part of the problem, and especially this year, is when you start seeing the same teams over and over again, it, it teams start figuring it out and they start figuring it out because they can really, they figure, okay, we can really pressure the caps on the half walls and make John Carlson shoot. And, Obviously, John Carlson has a great shot, but if you're talking about something as lethal as the Capitals' power play, you'll take a point shot any day, right? Mm -hmm. That's just something you'll absolutely take. So I think if you're the Flyers, what you have to do is really pressure the crap out of Nicholas Backstrom, keep a guy on Ovechkin, and just let Carlson shoot. And, I mean, maybe what'll happen is it'll get deflected. Maybe there'll be a rebound that Oshie can cash in, but— if I'm if I'm the Flyers, that's kind of the strategy. And I think you've seen teams, particularly like a Carolina before this year, that really were effective at pressuring the puck and making the Caps shoot from the point. And, and mm-hmm. that was really effective. So I think there's that. And then I think also just trying to stand them up on the uh, on the neutral kind of on neutral zone entries. The Caps don't really have a ton of people on the power play that can skate. So it's always kind <laughs> of an adventure for them to get into the neutral zone and uh, or to get into the offensive zone. And that's something Something that I think a really kind of good disciplined team can really limit the amount of chances the Caps can even generate by just even getting preventing them from getting in the zone. Boy, would I ever like to see the Flyers pressure on the penalty kill. Wait, you guys don't? Uh, 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 no. no. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing, <laughs> to be honest with you. They're just like making a little box and swinging their sticks around like they're playing NHL Oh, that's terrible. The Caps used to do that. They had like routinely terrible power penalty kills. So bad. Goodness. (laughs) But maybe tomorrow will be the day that they figure it out. Who can say? Eh, who knows? (laughs) We've got three games this week with you guys, which is going to be, it's either going to be really, really fun for us Flyers fans, or it's going to be a real rough week. Tough to say. Yeah. Not three games. Not three games in a row. Thankfully, we do get a little break in there. You guys are playing the Devils, and I think the Flyers that's... are playing Sabers. I'll, I'll take I'll take the Devils. That's that's that's. Yeah, fun. you get a little you get a little Devils break, and we get a little Sabers break. So hopefully, oh, sorry. Right. So we'll come back from those nice and refreshed. <laughs> yeah, right. Hopefully, both teams will get a little rest in those two games. Wait, Kelly, um, have you seen a Sabers game recently? I sure have. Oh, it is fascinating how bad they are. Like, (laughs) I was like, I was watching, I think it was like the Rangers or something. And like, they were like, like, not, neither one is a good team, but it's kind of scary. Like how bad the, the, the Sabres look. It is like, it is horrible. It's like, given the talent, like, okay. Even if the whole rest of the team is bad, right? Every single one of them, like AHL caliber, caliber player, you still expect 
that Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall are going to score some goals, right? Like yeah. you would expect this to happen. It's really not. And you would think that even, even with like the worst coach in the entire world, professional hockey players could just instinctively know what they're supposed yeah. to do. It's almost like they're actively trying to be bad. They're so bad. It really is. It's and it, it's kind of a shame because Buffalo, I feel like, is one of those cities that like, Man, like they deserve a good hockey you know? <laughs> team. Yeah, it's it's essentially Canada. Like they should have a good hockey team. They should. And that ownership is just Oh man. Yeah. Well yeah. I, the thing I always I always say is for me, I always said the cat the 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 Sabres problems are that they have a first unit power plays worth of good players and not much beyond that. But this year, not even that first unit power plays worth of good players has been very good. So yeah. it's like, man, oh man, they're like, it's uh it it ain't great. And I don't think a healthy scratching Jeff Skidder is gonna is gonna get not them. Gonna do it. Remember when everyone thought that Ryan O'Reilly was like such an asshole for wanting yeah. to get out of there? <laughs> I, th- I think that worked out for Ryan O'Reilly. I he mean, should like, have been he... listening. Well, he was like a he carry. Had quote, right? Of like, I like, I lost my joy for playing hockey by playing Ooh. in Buffalo. It's like it's so sad. I want to give him a hug. You know, seriously. And now Although it poor... worked out. It worked out for him just fine. It sure did. But now poor Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall are having the life sucked out of them. Get, get Michael little. out of there. Like, there's got to be someone. As long as he doesn't go to Boston. I feel like he's going to go there and I'm going to be like... Oh, God. I do. did see those rumors and it made my head hurt. <sighs> yeah. I, I couldn't deal with it. They, do, they don't need another good player. Boston they, they should get... They truly a don't. They don't need like, more good players. No. Now that their good ones are getting older, like, that's yeah. not enough for them. Yes. <laughs> now it's, you're, at some point, it's your turn to be the bad team. Yeah. Well, I mean, Capitals, like, this... I. I, I maybe this is the year where like okay they have like one more run in them but I like I mean th- that that is going to be the capital soon like we all know that it's just a matter of like can they hold off things for another like year or two well I think that honestly some people were kind of expecting even with La Violette like this year the capitals would not be that big of a threat because of their aging core and like the question mark and goal and all that kind of stuff but you guys have just decided nah yeah <laughs> I'm just gonna keep being the Capitals. So yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I like, and I mean, they did not look good really, like until like a few weeks ago. And I, obviously, they looked terrible against Boston. Although, uh, I, 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 the hope I think if you're the Caps is that you're like, okay, like that was just a weird game. Like, you know, we're gonna lose Wilson for a little bit. We'll probably put Sprong just into the lineup, kind of probably where Wilson was, and we'll just hopefully keep chugging along. Mm. Yeah. All right. So. I'm not going to make you give me a prediction for three games because that's nonsense. <laughs> Obviously, you can only... Well, if I do three, I, can, I, I might get one of them even, like, remotely, Fair. right? Because I never do. If you would like to give three, I just figure, <laughs> like, the scientific method really only allows for the first game to be an accurate prediction. But if well, you okay, feel... so I'll toss out predictions to the other two, but then if they're wrong, I'm just, I'm just not on the hook for them, right? That's true. Exactly. <laughs> so there's really no pressure at all. That's true. That's true. Well, okay, actually, I did get the result last time right, I think, because I think I had the Flyers winning, and they did. So although I was not, I think I said it was going to be a boring game, and it was a 7-4 game, so that was it. So, uh, okay, you want me to give a prediction, right? Yes. All right, let's do it. So 
I will say, well, fans are back. Oh, that's the other thing. Oh, I, actually, before that, can I ask you, what are your thoughts about fans coming back? And because uh, that's gonna, I think that's the first time the Caps are gonna see fans all year. Yeah, it's part of me thinks like we're so close to like so many people being vaccinated. If we just waited like a month, maybe it would be a little bit yep. better. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I would hope that people going to the games are careful and responsible. And then also I think about how like I can walk to the Acme up the street and I'm like surrounded by people so close to me. Yeah. All breathing air together. And then I'm like, well, we're doing this. So I guess you can go to a hockey game. I don't know. I told myself that I wouldn't go. Now that it's happening, like, if someone was like, hey, Kelly, I have a ticket to the hockey game tomorrow, I'd be like, ooh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, like, yeah, in, in D.C., they're like, okay, no one's going to a hockey game anytime. I think they have it, like, tied to, like, a percent of the population vaccinated, which for me makes sense. That does uh, make sense, actually. Yeah, well, I, I like, I remember I wrote my, like, the NHL should pause a couple, I think it was, like, a month ago or so. And uh, that hasn't aged super well. But I think the one thing that did age well is that... One of my points was like, look, we're so freaking close to getting everyone vaccinated. I mean, like, Kelly, like, we freaking vaccinated 2.9 million people today. That's amazing. I know. It's incredible. And so, like, why are we, like, trying to do this now? Like, let's hang on for another month or two. Let's, you know, like, do the social distancing. We all freaking hate it, but we all do it because, you know, that's what, what we should do. Let's just hang on for another, like, month or so. And then, then maybe once we start hitting, like, 40%, 50% of the public vaccinated, like, then we can start talking. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. I don't know either. I'm yeah. getting my all second right. dose on the 18th, though, so soon I will be superhuman. Hey, congratulations. Yeah, I got, I got both my doses, too. It's uh, I know. The, the second dose is a little bit of a doozy. So uh, try to try hearing. to give yourself a little bit of time after. But uh, all right. OK, you want a prediction out of me. Let's right? do it. I, I, I went I went way off board. Uh, but I I will say I think the Flyers come out with the fans and I think are, are humming. Maybe they kind of win like a 4-2 type game. I admire the confidence. Yeah. I don't know. There was something. So there. Uh, I'm I'm an extremely optimistic hockey fan. Sometimes annoyingly so. Sometimes, you know, silly of me to be so optimistic. <laughs> Something about today's game, and it wasn't even like a one-sided game. Like it was a pretty even game up into the third period, both in the score and just looking at like underlying number stuff, like expected goals numbers. Like they were, it was a pretty evenly matched game, but something about it was just so like drab and uninspiring and like messy and sloppy that it made me just like, ugh, what are we doing here? Yeah. So well, I'm I mean, feeling, my, my team did lose yeah. 5-1 their last game too. So That's I, true. So I, I, That's I, might, I might have a little bit of that going on too. Although the Caps actually looked okay in the first period and then they kind of just fought themselves into a box that they were completely decimated by the Bruins after. So yeah, you know, I don't know. Like I... I, who knows, right? Like, I, it's so much with this pandemic is like, it's just unpredictable who's mm-hmm. going to come out and play well and who's not. And, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, who knows? <laughs> I don't know anything. All right. Here's what I'm, I'm going to talk this out. So okay. my thought is Flyers are coming off this game today. The Capitals have had a day off. Yeah, they were off. They played yesterday. They were off today. Yes, yep, they're off today. So they're a little bit rested. Mm-hmm. The Flyers have 
these six guys coming off COVID that still, according to the broadcast team and maybe the eyeball, get a little bit gassed quicker than they normally would have before all of this happened to them. So I think I think what's going to happen tomorrow is the Flyers are going to come out with a little bit of jump because of the fans. Maybe even they go up a goal or two early. But I think that the combination of this game today, traveling back from Pittsburgh, guys coming back from COVID, I think they're going to just lose some steam toward the end of the game. And the Caps will probably win like a really frustratingly close game, like a 2-1-3-2 type of thing. But that said, they'll whoop up on Buffalo because, you know. (laughs) We all have done that already. Yeah. And then they come back, I think, a little bit more energized from that and perhaps win the next two, maybe, or one of them. All right. Maybe both of them. All right, well, I don't there you know. go. All right, okay. I, and I say the Caps lose. I'll I'll flip that. So I say the Caps lose tomorrow and then win the next two, but one of them is in overtime. Fair enough. I right, like yeah. it. Give, give you a point, you know? All right. Greg, yeah. as always, you are <laughs> one of my favorite people to do this with. We have talked for 37 minutes, and I prepared for about – the game ended, I think, at like 3.34, so maybe like 15 minutes of preparation <laughs> for this little chat. So I would say well, we, we did we've done good. this a lot. So I think it's like I, I, I'm sure you have this with other people, too, of like, you know, once you've done this enough times with people, you kind of just go on and like shoot the shoot the stuff, you know, yeah. and just kind of be like, OK, yeah, you know, like we can kind of just go up and bull crap for a few minutes. Exactly. It's this kind of thing is very easy when you like the people that you're doing it with. Yeah. So everyone should head to Japer's Rink. Because it's an excellent website full of excellent information. You should also check out Japers Rank Radio, which is obviously the Washington Capitals counterpart to BSH Radio and an excellent listen. Greg, thank you so much for hanging out. I hope you enjoy the game tomorrow, even if your team loses. <laughs> I, I I appreciate that. And uh, I hope the uh, you know, I, I hope the same for you as well, uh, even even when your team loses. Even though <laughs> I predicted right. them to win, I just realized. Well, you know. <laughs> We don't, consistency is not important to me at all. (laughs) All right, everybody, go Flyers. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.